episode 329. Craig's setting the table today with the topics. You've been doing all the research. Biggest what? sporting news by far? What? It is true. Travis Kelsey is dating Taylor Swift. So obviously you didn't watch the game last night. What game? Okay. Do you know about Travis Kelsey and T- Taylor Swift? Yeah, I I mean it's kind of you got, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm embarrassed everywhere. I, I am embarrassed to say that that is one of the most talked about things in the world right now, but that's why why are you embarrassed? There's a lot of other shit going on, but carry on. What about Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift? She's just going to no, write we, a love song talk about him it. at some she point. Is, well, when he fucks that up, he's the record is going to be Kelsey's corner or something like the album is just going to be all about him and you know his hip pads <laughs> so what's the, the big deal I, I four things fucking big deal she's literally the I feel biggest like she's had a, I feel she's like she's had a lot of popular boyfriend. person out there I feel like she's had a lot of boyfriends she had a lot of boyfriends no okay the the internet the social media is has been going crazy the last you know month with these you know is taylor swift and travis kelsey dating and all this kind of crap and there's so much bullshit out there it's just so ridiculous it's so exhausting that it's popping up everywhere and when i'm watching the game last night all of a sudden they veer to uh you know a, a box and travis kelsey's mother is up there standing beside Taylor Swift. And I thought that that my eyes just kind of like instantly was like, holy shit, man. But uh, I'll tell you. Look out, Travis. Travis is good. That's going to be a song title about him when they break up. Isn't she all about like bad breakups and stuff? I don't really, I don't know her. I couldn't name you one Taylor Swift. I don't know. She, does she write a lot of songs about like, she's got to be one of the biggest uh, entertainers. In the world right now, most well, one of the most well-known people in the world right now. I thought, I thought like one of her hit songs was about, and I couldn't tell you the name of it. I couldn't even, but I feel like I remember hearing when she first came out, one of her first couple songs, one of them was about like a boyfriend or something. And so I just think like, man, you you are a move. You're a music buff. I mean, I, I mean, I am, I've never I seen not, you not this genre. What Swift. genre is she? Is she? What is she? What would you call her? Pop? Is she pop? Okay. R and B? I don't know. I don't even know. I, I don't. I don't know. It's not so my thing She's either. dating Travis. She's got Kelsey. some good tunes though. Okay. She's dating Travis Kelsey. Yep. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, I look forward to the song about CTE. <laughs> CTE and me. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck. Anyway, well, come on. I mean, let's let's just be honest. Yeah, I know that you didn't even want to do that, but so how do you not talk about Taylor Swift and well, uh, Travis Kelsey? Listen. Anyway, doesn't really matter. Let's move on. Hey, Andy. Ever been in a car crash? Actually, you know what? I know you have because you're a terrible driver. What's your point? I'd call my friends at Salino Law. 
3-5-5-5. You had three hockey headlines you were bringing to the table today. What are they in order of uh, importance? Not one of them is super important. I just thought that they were interesting. Certainly when, you know, you're starting your, your season, um, Valerie Natushkin, Colorado Avalanche, had a, a little bit of, of uh, an eyebrow-raising episode last year in the playoffs where there's so much to this story that is still untold. And um, when Valerie Natushkin started his his camp, his training camp obviously wanted uh, they the the media wanted to kind of know a little bit more of what happened. Now there was uh, a young uh, lady involved from Russia that lives in Ukraine, and she was highly highly intoxicated in his room at three o'clock in the afternoon on a game day. They call the ambulance to make sure that she's taken care of. They usher out Valerie Natushkin, and you don't see him the rest of the playoffs. You don't hear a word from him. And now all of a sudden he shows up to training camp, and this is the first time people have the opportunity to ask questions. And every question was deflected. Deflected. He talked about that's last year. He thanks people for the support. He wants to start fresh. But at the same time, this is a world where people all want answers. And not that he's ever going to give them. Not that he's ever going to answer questions about a female being in his room midday on a game day. But if the Colorado Avalanche have all the accurate answers and they bring him back to play and they know the truth because clearly wasn't he ushered out by security and everything? Yeah, I think okay. yeah, I think the security. So if yeah. they have all the answers. And Joe Sackick, I mean, come on. These guys aren't taking any chances. They, this yeah. is a Stanley Cup contender. You yep. know, you saw what happened last year in Boston when they brought, they wanted to sign the prospect and bring him in, and, and, and all hell broke loose. I mean, so if Colorado has the answers that they need and they feel comfortable bringing him back, he doesn't know anybody, the, anybody anything. Because maybe, who, who knows what kind of precautions that was getting look at what was going on between russia and the ukraine at the time so and what's been going on for a while now so who knows what this could have to do with but very well said yep we had jeremy roenick on either that day or the next day and there was no information at all okay that had come out at the time jr said I think this might have to do with a girl or something of the sort. And I edited it out of the show because I didn't want him to be wrong about that. Yep. But he actually knew what was going on. He knew exactly what was going on. Hmm. I wish I'd left that in now, but I took it out because, you know, like someone hears something and what if that's just like a, a false allegation, right? Like I, I didn't know, I had no information and he didn't say to us off the air. Oh yeah. Hey guys, I heard that this is what's going on. So yeah. anyway, 
So, well, that's the thing. They don't, they don't know if she overdosed on alcohol or something else. Obviously the avalanche have enough information to feel comfortable enough to bring him back to training camp and allow him to take questions and deflect. Otherwise they would not have put him in that situation, in my opinion, to have to answer any questions at all and lie. Yeah. Right. Maybe we see where that goes. Maybe it matters. It doesn't. What was the other thing you wanted to talk about? I, I, I will just say that um, the Colorado Avalanche would have done a pretty thorough investigation of their own on this. No, no question. Um, and, uh, you know, it, what, what's troubling about it is, you know, there's a female in your room. How does she even get to that point Um, when you when you have a game that night? Was he drinking? Do we know that? I don't. We don't know that, but okay. uh, I would strongly think that he was not. Maybe she was just having a friendly, a couple friendly cocktails because she was going to go to the game that night. Who knows? We don't know anything. That's the whole point. All I can say is that she was, you know, in danger of of uh, being intoxicated and 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 uh, not doing well. So they they called nine one one and. Everything was taken care of. And now, uh, you know, your your number of months later, Valley Natushkin does not want to discuss it. He wants to move on. I totally understand what he's thinking and what and wanting. This is a fresh new year. It's a fresh new season. Does not want to talk about the past. And uh listen, I hope that uh I hope that he gets back to playing uh playing his game because he's a pretty valuable part of that team. Uh next topic you wanted to discuss. Well, well, this this one was an interesting one, and I and I have mixed feelings on this, and I'm I'm curious to know your thoughts on it. But it's it's stars killing penalties. Now, back when we played, back back when we played, um, our stars usually did not kill penalties. Usually, you had. You know, guys like Mike Greer, who are great, great hockey players, but more specific to the understanding of and, you know, how to how to play against other teams power plays. He was he was a master of figuring out um, positioning and everything else. So what's what's your concern here? I'm getting hurt, you know, blocking shots, so, all that stuff. So I read an article timer. about, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, you you have stars that are already playing on the power play. They already play at least a minute, a minute and a half in your power play. They're they're your you know your top line, so they're they're playing upwards of eighteen to twenty two minutes a night. And if you're Connor McDavid, you're play you you play even more than that. Um, Austin Matthews. There was an article that came out that Austin Matthews could see an expanded role on the PK. Now, I already know that Mitch Marner is is a penalty killer. So he's getting minutes on the penalty kill. Um, he has since he's come into the league. And now they want to find more minutes for a player like Austin Matthews. And my question is, Why? Well, generate some offense, maybe. You're on a penalty kill. Yeah. You don't yeah. generate offense on a penalty kill. Sure you can. We should ask Thomas this. Thomas killed penalties. Yeah. No, he didn't. 
Yeah. No, he did. He, he, towards the end of his time in Buffalo, he was killing penalties, and they were trying to get him out there to maybe generate some more offense. I mean, yeah, because you know why? The you don't want to generate offense. Defenseman bobbles a puck. A defenseman bobbles a puck. A block shot off the shin pads, and you're going the other way. I mean, you, you know, defensemen get the puck in the corner, and all, and the guy can blow the zone maybe, and, and you hit him. Like a lot of times, you watch the game now, everyone's doing these stretch passes. And I don't know if it's if, – and I remember it was before McDavid because Kopitar and I was watching an L.A. game, and Kopitar and who was the other player they had that was unbelievable and fast um, when they were winning those cups? Maybe it was Kopitar. But so they, they would flip the puck. They would kind of flip it up in the air, and the guy would just yeah. take off and find it. It would kind of land in front of him, and he'd yeah. go in on a breakaway. L.A. was doing that a lot. A lot of teams started doing that. And then – but Andrew Kopitar is is looked at in this league not only for his points, but he is arguably one of the greatest two way centers to play in the last ten to fifteen years. Okay, okay, fine. But he's like a Bergeron. Is, yeah, but what? Okay, and and, and I, I I don't I I think that you can, and that is maybe a, a trying to be creative way of trying to generate some just an just extra bit of offense. I mean, Austin Matthews, all he needs is a is a is to skate with the – he doesn't need a breakaway. He just needs to go one-on-one or even just skate yeah. down the wing and get a shot off. I mean, the guy's got an unbelievable shot. But these these minutes typically go for other players in the lineup that aren't even playing that much to begin with. Like some fourth lines in the NHL play less than five minutes a night, six minutes a night. If you have a penalty kill, typically those guys have killed penalties a lot in their career. It's like it's like for an example. And, and it's, it's also interesting because they brought in Domi and they brought in Bertuzzi, and you'd think that that would be their two extra guys that they could use there in that role. Do they not kill penalties? Those guys? I I don't know, but it it would it, it would be like Cage Thompson having the opportunity to play on the penalty kill, which takes away minutes maybe from Zemgus Gergensen. Do you understand? Like I mean, um I think that there's minutes that can be spread around. I don't think that you need your elite star players to be on a penalty kill unless they're guys like Patrice Bergeron or Brad Marchand. Okay. Brad Marchand was just named captain. I I'm surprised with that one. Like like I for me I I, I think that um Brad Marchand has been in that environment for a very long time with Patrice Bergeron, the Zdena Chara, you know, David Krejci. He has been around these players for a long, long time. And I think that the the natural thing to do, not to piss off, not that the Bruins are worried about pissing off Brad Marchand, but he is a veteran player. That has been an incredible, incre- whether you hate him or love him or whatever, oh, yeah. the he's way amazing. he plays the game, he's unbelievable. The evolution and, of Brad Marchand is, has been incredible to see. Yeah. But and, I, and I think Brad Marchand is what, 35 years old? I don't know exactly. How but I feel like you're going to say, I feel like you're going to say that, uh, you know, a letter on his sweater or not is not going to change the way he plays. Is that no, no, but um, my thing was, I think Brad Marchand would have been upset if he didn't have the ability 
to be the I th- captain. I would have been. I would have been upset for him. Guy's really? done a lot. Yes, he's done a lot for that organization, and I think it's quite. Yes, he has. I think it's quite an honor to wear a, a, a letter like that in an organization like that. Like you were an assistant captain of the Montreal Canadiens, you were a captain of the Buffalo Sabers, and I bet, and with no disrespect to anybody, if you could go back and say, okay, you could wear the C on any one of those teams. You would say it would be an honor. The most honorable spot would have been the Montreal Canadiens. It's historical. Whether the pressure or not, it doesn't matter. I'm talking about the legacy of it. San Jose yeah. came in in '92. Buffalo is Buffalo. It's you know it's had its good good runs, but no one's going to remember the captain of the Sabers in 20 years. But everybody remembers the captains of the Montreal Canadiens. So yeah. being a captain for the Boston Bruins for Brad Marchand, I think is. And having to not sit behind Patrice Bergeron, but be one hell of a shotgun rider, yeah, for Patrice Bergeron over the years, and he's taken a lot of shit. He's the wily veteran. He's thirty-five years old. He's played a long time in this league. David Pasternak would be another guy that I think will probably have an A. And you're going to have Charlie McAvoy, who is a young stallion. That if they would have given it to Charlie McAvoy, I wouldn't have been surprised whatsoever. I would have not raised an eyebrow. I would have said nothing. If they would have given it to David Pasternak, I don't know the way he is in the room. I don't know his personality. I don't even know if he's a leader. I know he's a hell of a hockey player. That doesn't mean you're a leader. He plays his ass off, and I think his teammates love him. Yes, yes, absolutely. And he performs. So They have the right leadership group. You know, Marshawn Pasternak and, and McAvoy. I could have definitely seen them give it to a younger guy, but I have no problem with Brad Marchand. They they made they made the right move, putting him uh, with the C on his jersey because he's a hell of a hockey player, and he's got two more years. He's got a couple more years in 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 Boston under his uh, current contract. So, you know what I like about Boston? I don't, I mean I don't know how many teams do this or don't do this. The rotating, not captain, but the rotating assistants, home assistants, road assistants, just. Just name your captains and assistants, and then it's just Mickey Mouse shit, man. <laughs> it's just you know what it is. You know, all those it's satis- years, it's all just those years in Buffalo. Egos. Put a put a C on uh, eight guys' uh, jerseys, something like that. Yeah, one a month. That's a bloody joke. <laughs> God, Lindy gets brought up more than anybody else on this show. What Marshall. was the other topic? There was top two hundred and fifty players in the league. Was that the next one you yeah. wanted to discuss? Yeah, and um. There's a poll that came out. I think it was done by the by the NHL. Uh, the NHL. Uh, it was on the NHL website. They talked about the t- uh, the top 250 players in the NHL. Um, Side note: ADD, the new NHL app, is terrible. Carry on. Terrible. 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 Um, there's eight players from the Buffalo Sabers that made the top 250 players in the league. Can you name those players? There's how many? Eight. Devin Levi. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Right? I'm <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Devin Levi is in it. To a top two hundred and fifty players in the league. Top two hundred and fifty players. No, he's not. Yes, he is. UPL better be on there too. So you have Devin Levi. Give me Shut another one. Stop. Stop. 
show me that right now with a Devin Levi's on there and I'm hanging up this call. Why? You don't think that he deserves to be on there? <laughs> Can you? He's honestly... played seven games. He played seven outstanding <laughs> games. Oh my God! You're speechless. Eh? This, uh, this is this is new to have you I want, not say hey, a listen, word. Shut up! I want you to just look at me with a straight face and tell me that you agree with that. Look at me. Look at me with your with your bubbles. Tell bo- you that goggles. I agree with Devin Levi being in the top 100. He's in the top 100. Yes. Stop. You're 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 not serious. I am dead serious. You need to to what? understand how great this young player is. Why is that why does that surprise you? Okay. Uh that's great for Buffalo. Um so Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck. I mean, maybe Dave, Jeff Skinner's on there. Dave Thompson, Alex Tuck is on there. Correct. Jeff, Jeff Skinner, Skinner is on there. Yeah, I agree. Dylan Cousins has to be on there too. Dylan Cousins is on there. Darlene's on there. Darlene is definitely on there. How many do I have now? You have six out of the uh, eight. Six out of the eight. Uh, Owen Power? Owen Power is on there. Okay, so there's one more. There's one more. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I could I could see Matias Samuelson being on there. I could also see Casey Middlestad being on there. They so, are both not on there. Oh, they're both not on there. No. J.J. Paterka? J.J. Paterka is the eighth man. Get the... F- really? Yeah. On, on the top 200. And on top of that, and on top of that, after the 250 players... They also had five other notable injuries. Kane, um, Pacioretty, Price, Langnescog, Quinn. So he probably would have been in there too. Now, do they tell the, what is the um, criteria to make the list? Obviously, statistics. Is it reputation? Is it hype? Like Devin Levi makes that list on hype alone. That's that's it. Because he shouldn't even be in the top two hundred. So these are these he, are he technically these are the top two hundred and fifty fantasy ranked players. Okay, most valuable well, overall options in standard leagues. So we're we're talking about fantasy hockey. Do you play fantasy hockey? No, probably not. This you don't makes do a little bit more. You love tennis and uh, your oh, short let's stop, stop, stop. What's okay? What's the hold on? Stop for a second. Do you want to know? Hold on. Ask me why. Just ask me why. Okay, why? What's the first word that you said? It starts with an F. Fantasy. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> okay. Jesus. I don't need fantasy in my life. I need reality. Okay. And I'm not right. a real hockey player, and I'm not a real general manager, so I don't want to manage a fucking team. Like, it's like in the movie Step Brothers. So, do you have any hobbies? Yeah, I manage a baseball team. List phone Little calls. league? No. Fantasy league? No. Yeah. You say fantasy, 
I say see ya. So I'm going to tell you where our where uh, our players here in Buffalo were ranked in the in the top 250. And you you tell me I I didn't realize you were talking fantasy riv. Well, listen, I mean, the top 10 guys in the league, you tell me if the top 10 guys in the league should be this. Connor McDavid, one. Dreisaitl, two. Stop me if you don't agree. Connor McDavid, Dreisaitl. Nate McKinnon, three. Kucherov. Pasternak, four. Jack Hughes. Matthew Kachuk. Jason Robertson. Rantanen. Austin Matthews. There's your top 10 guys. Does that seem out of character? Are those... Are those Ten of the top players in the league. What's the most? What's the most alarming thing of that whole top ten? Jack Hughes. No. Your top ten right there is amazing, and I'll tell you why. Because fantasy, when you're in a fantasy draft, you do your homework to the max. So what do you don't like? What don't you like in the in the I, top ten? What I what I think is amazing about the top ten is that Austin Matthews is number ten. That's because he had a slight downtick. He had 85 uh, points and 40 goals last year, and he fine, had a downtick in his But career. the Leafs are going to pay him like he's not going to have a downtick. So why, are, why, why wouldn't somebody in the fantasy league say, Matthews is going to have a massive year? You're telling me nine people passed over. Like, don't you think that Austin Matthews should be expected to outscore Matthew Kachuk or Pasternak or Robertson? Like he's in had a hundred Robertson had a hundred and eight points last Austin, year and 40 some goals. Austin Matthews is going to be the highest paid player in the NHL. So he should be expected to put up 120 points as well. Do you not remember the contract that Jason Robertson signed it's three years, 7.5 million, 7.8 or something like that. Something like now, that. Here's the thing. Why did he sign that contract? Why do you going to be the a market setter? But listen, why did he have to sign that contract? They had to have a bunch of money tied up in Sagan. In who? Ben. In who? Sagan and exactly. Ben. Sagan's making $9.85 million, yeah. and Jamie Ben has two years left on his deal, makes 9.5. Jason Robertson right now signed a, signed a three year deal at eight or no, 7.75. He is going to absolutely blow it out of the water he will be making where was where 13 was, million dollars all day long yeah. on, a, on a long-term contract and he did the right thing by sh- signing a, a shorter term deal Just where's like, McKinnon on that list McKinnon's number three yeah okay and that's where he should be right yeah 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 I think so so what I'm what so, I'm getting at is this now I want you to tell me and raise your eyebrow or or agree that Tage Thompson should be 14th overall. Well, listen. I have Tage getting 100 points this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say anything less is is not worth it, but listen, this this is an interesting conversation because last year Tage didn't have any pressure. He got off to a bit of a slow start. Yes, he Dogger. did. No, no, he didn't. He was making 1.7. This is when his contract kicks in. I understand that, but he signed that contract. He signed a deal before the season. He just finished his his first year in the league. You're defending him like I'm piling on him. I'm not piling. Let me finish my point. 
I don't think he had much pressure last year. That wasn't the start of the $50 million deal. Okay. I yep. think this, I think this kid loves pressure. What I've learned about Tage Thompson is that he wants to be in the big moment. He wants to be a highlight reel and he should, cause he can be, you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to see him on the highlight reels 65 times this year. If he's healthy, all 82. If he's healthy. Yep. Right. And I, I and have, I will also say this, that all these top a, players in the league, he had a slow finish to the season because he was banged up. Yep. Okay. I got this guy at a hundred points and I wouldn't be surprised if he hits like one ten. Oh. Man, if I could tell you, if I were to tell you right now that he was going to get eighty-five points and forty goals, I think still insane. It's that's insane oh, statistics. No, he's 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 got to be at forty-five goals. You need him at 45 goals, 90, 95 points as a minimum. I mean, like, now granted, granted, I guess that's unfair because I have him now as a, I have him down as an $11 million player making seven. So I don't want him to perform at a $7 million deal. I want him to overperform his contract. 85 points gets him what he's being paid. I want the savings of the contract. I want the team-friendly deal on a guy who's getting 100 points at $7.125 million. That's what the Sabres... Can I ask you something, though? But yes, to answer your question, 85 points justifies his contract, but we need him to get 100. Tage Thompson, um, no question has the ability to get 100 points, but he will not do it with just himself. Alex Tuck, who had an unbelievable... Season last year, he needs to be on his game. Jeff Skinner, who had an incredible season last year, he needs to be on his game. Cage Thompson has the ability to get 100 points. If the players around him are are top of their game also, that's how that's how this all works. Well, they're all benefactors of each other. Yeah, right. So exactly. The more points Tuck gets... Thompson's going to get and Skinner's going to get if they're that's playing right. together, if they're on the ice at the same time. I mean, that's just, that's how it's going to, to flow. You know, trust me, Jeff Skinner scores with the way he gets goals. It's going to be because Thompson or Tuck threw the puck on net or gave him the puck in the slot. He's not doing it all by himself going end to end and scoring. That's not the kind of goal scorer he is. You, you really kind of suck the wind out of my sails because I, I, I feel like if Tage were an RFA this summer, we would have been paying him $10 million. So I want that $10 million player. I don't $10 million? Bucks? If not, if he, minimum, minimum. I, I want to ask you something. So Tage is 26. Pretty sure he's 26, right? Are you, was 10 too much money? No. Okay, all right, yeah. I mean, Tage I, Thompson had a 38-goal season and a 47-goal season. 68-point year and a 94-point year. He was also hurt the last 15 games of the year. If Cage Thompson were to sign a contract right now at the age of 26, he's making he's making $11 million. Okay. Well then that's then that's the player that I want then. No yes. offense. 
am I wrong for thinking that way? Because I know that he's capable of being an $11 million caliber player. All I know is what we watched last year. But I also, I also, we also know that a guy getting 75, 80 points will still get paid 7 million bucks, like what he's making. So it's kind of like, like, I don't want Pacioretty $7 million out of Tage Thompson. Sorry, I don't. I don't want James Van Riemsdyk $7 million out. I don't want Evander Kane $7 million. I don't want, who are other $7 million players in the league? But that's what we need out of Tage. So go on. Well, who else, who else were you telling me? Okay. So let, let me just go down the list. I'm going to tell you the our eight guys and where they're ranked. And you can tell me whether you think that's too high or too low. Now this is in the top 250 fantasy players. Okay. Tage Thompson, 14th. Rasmus Dahlin is 32. Alex Tuck, 55. Devin Levi, 99. Jeff Skinner, 100. Dylan Cousins, 130. Owen Power, 138. J.J. Paterka, 198. Darlene's low. Darlene's low. Although, I will tell you this. Kale McCarr was 16th on this list. Okay, so maybe that's where about 80, 85 points gets you. Because that's yep. roughly... Adam what... Adam Fox is 21. Okay. The next defenseman Yeah, naturally was... forwards are going to go earlier. The next defenseman was Rasmus Dahlin. He was the third highest defenseman. That sounds ranked about defenseman. right. That's about right. And, and Eric Carlson was right behind uh, Rasmus Dahlin at 33. So I don't have a problem with it. Alex Tuck is 55. Um, Alexander Barkoff was 54. Josh Morrissey was 53. And behind Alex Tuck was Brandon Montour and Joe Pavelski. So I think he sits in a, in a, in a solid spot too. I, I don't know how to, how point system works. And like, is a goal for defenseman in fantasy worth more than a goal for a forward or anything? No, uh, I mean, I don't play fantasy. Uh, I don't play fantasy hockey. Um, I don't know. I'm I am certainly and I and I know that you are too, like um Devin Levi at ninety nine out of two hundred and fifty fantasy players. I don't expect him to play more than forty five or fifty games. That's a lot. I mean, I don't know. It's obviously a Buffalo uh a lot of Buffalonians picking him probably. Yeah. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. He's the twelfth goaltender on that list. I maybe they just think the the team in general, the Buffalo Sabres team in general. I think when you look at last year to this year, you would think that there would be an uptick in their play. The Buffalo Sabres were the youngest team in the league last year, had a lot of youth. I think they've added some veteran leadership in in Johnson and um, Clifton. And I this team, seeing Devin Levi prepare, play, the type of person he is, 
they you have to make decisions on all of these things. You're not just going to put them in the lineup for seven games and then all of a sudden make the make the realization that, oh, yeah, this guy's going to we're going to go with this uh, this rookie that hasn't played more than 10 games in the league. They must feel they must see something. I have been told that he is mature way, way beyond his years. Like you're looking at a 20, what is he? 21, 22 year old hockey player. The maturity level of Devin Levi and the way he deals with life in general, like away from the rink at the rink preparation, all the calmness of how he goes about his day is something special. I've been told this. Saw a shirt the other day at my nephew's hockey game. One of the siblings of one of the boys on the team was walking around with his shirt. It looked like a, I just saw the white lettering on the on the black shirt. It said A New Hope. So, you know, Star Wars, A New Hope, right? That's I, I mean, that's one of the Star Wars movies. And it's it's the New Hope logo, but it says Devin Levi with his number 27 in there, A New Hope. And it looks like the, looks Star, like the Wars Star Wars logo. logo. That is sick. It's also premature. No, it's actually not premature because it says a new hope, but it's just kind of like talk about pressure on a kid. Seven games into the league. Who puts the pressure on him, though? Where is he feeling the pressure coming from? Fans? Team himself, team, fans, all of it. It's a lot. This is more, there's more expectation on this guy than there was on Ryan Miller. Now, granted, there was two first round goalies here ahead of Ryan, but Ryan took the net over. And maybe that's like who has more pressure on this team, Rasmus Dahlin? Paige Thompson or Devin Levi? Who should have the most pressure? Darlene. And why is that? Because if he's unsigned, no matter what, he's going to want to maximize that deal. Paige Thompson set in stone. Dylan Cousins set in stone. You know, Devin Levi is a rookie, so there really shouldn't be any expectation put on him other than just, you know, just play well, try to steal some games. Yep. Learn the league, learn the, learn the schedule, all of that. Right. But it's also a lot of, it's a lot of the main question and concern about this team is the goaltending and the youth of the goaltending. It's not the ability of the goaltenders it's the youth of the goaltenders, the inexperience of the goaltenders. And we're just giving this net to Devin Levi all of a sudden. Like, what about UPL? This guy's been here. He might be more ready for this. What he about might... Eric Comrie? People are bothered that he's even still here. Why? He had some games that he played really well. And he had some games that he didn't play very well. Now again. Sabres scored a lot of goals last year. What were they? Fourth in the NHL for goals for? It was an exciting team to watch because even the games that they lost and they did not play well in front of their goaltenders, they scored a lot of goals. 
which which made it fun to watch them play. Okay, they would lose six to five, or you know, six four five, you know, five four. The goaltenders, I think, sometimes were were held out to dry a little bit, and 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 on the other side, sometimes the goaltenders were the reason. There were some goals last year that I think all of them would love to have back. That's just hockey in general. But aren't you doing the same thing with Devin Levi? Is that what they did with all those young players last year? You could bring in a number one goaltender. You could bring in a guy like Gibson from Anaheim. And he could play ahead of Devin Levi. But that would go against what Kevin Adams and his staff that has put this thing all together, it would go against what they've done from day one. And that's allow the younger players to learn, whether it's through failure. Once you fail, you figure it out and you're a little bit better, a little bit stronger. The skin's a little bit thicker. So Devin Levi might, might go through some real tough times this year. But I think the Sabres understand that right now, they're not a Stanley Cup champion. They're not a Stanley Cup contender. But in a short period of time, the amount of skill and ability, high-end ability on this team, you have to grow the group. You Let have to grow. If, if Comrie and Pekka Lukanen play really well. Can you not see a world where Devin Levi starts the season in Rochester? Zero. I mean, zero. This is Devin Levi's hockey team. He would have to have 10 goals of seven goals scored against them in a row for them to make a decision to send him down. And I don't think he'll ever get to that point because I just think he's good. I really do. The fans here in Buffalo that have watched him in a very, very short period of time, he's a different bird, man. When you got a goaltender sitting on his knees, looking at his net, doing his, you know, mental visualization and all that stuff, it's a different, it's a different animal, something that we've never seen before. It's going to be exciting. Nevertheless, whether it, it, it you know it is positive or some negative, it's going to be fun to watch the team continue to develop because I think there is a point in time when Kevin Adams needs to have pressure on him. And I'm surprised. I'm surprised the the um, media is so friendly to what he's done up to this point. Because this is a hell of a hockey team. This is a hell of a hockey team that is a few pieces away from being an elite hockey team. But right now, they're not quite there. And... You know, you can go in two different ways. You can do it through signing and making a major trade that is going to make you better right now. Or you can hope and pray 
that these young players that are coming up turn into something that's elite. Well, and I'm not got- saying one way is is better than the other. I'm just saying it's surprising that you know we don't pick up a goaltender, we don't pick up a forward, and we pick up two two defensemen that have uh, that that have both played on very very high end teams over the years. You're getting that leadership from from that group, but they're not they're not high end defenseman at this point johnson is an is a, is a great pickup but he was not a high-end defenseman on colorado he's a five six defenseman and so is connor clifton and and i like them both but they didn't get their top four defensemen that they need that are eating minutes like crazy you have three of them out of the four Maybe you don't need a guy who's six five six six. I mean, the old power is already six five six six. True. If Cl- if Clifton could be a nice complementary piece to power, he's a, he's got some nice physicality to him. He's not overly big, but that doesn't yep. matter. He needs to win puck battles and distribute the puck up the ice. That's it. You don't have to be six six anymore to do that. You don't have to be Hatcher. You don't Listen, have to he's be got Stevens. a big set of balls on him. Yeah, he he's he's played like that in Boston. He's a good puck mover. He's a good skater. He's physical. Um, he's not a real big guy, but it, it's not about just being six foot six and two hundred and thirty pounds. Yes, that would be good if you if you play a certain style, but it's going to be interesting. Connor Clifton on Boston maybe was smothered throughout his time there because their team was so good in Boston, and he basically played as as a sixth defenseman throughout his entire career there. I don't see him stepping in as a top four defenseman here on the Buffalo Sabres. I don't see a 35-year-old defenseman in Johnson who has been a 5'6 defenseman on Colorado for many years. I don't see him stepping into a top six position or or a top uh, four position. That's just my, that's my thought. Is, Is Yoki Haru a clear top four defenseman? I forgot he was no, I don't I I don't know where I have him. Got to make decisions. And and right now, uh, you know, Kevin Adams still has to sign Darlene. He still has to sign power. He has to get these these are major major contracts. Once those contracts are signed, it gives him a better understanding of what else moving forward he has to play with. But they still didn't get their top four defensemen. And they don't have the top four defensemen on the roster right now. Yoki Haru, the last number of years, has played on a, a bottom team in the league, and he's been a top four defenseman, but I'm not sure if he is quite a top defenseman type player. Playoffs are obviously an expectation here in Buffalo because that's what's being said all around the locker room. And on opening day, with Don Granato address the media, Kevin Adams address the media, all the players are are saying all the right things. This is not the year for experiments. I still feel like there are experiments that are going to be going on here. Maybe I'm wrong. There is some positive light. I know we don't give a shit about preseason, but you got Benson who scored last night. You have Krebs who scored last night. These are these yep. are nice things that happen for yep. young players. JJ Paterka. JJ Paterka. It's nice to get get going early and not have to question whether or not you can or can't at this level. And even though it's not a regular game. 
just gives you a little bit of a little bolster. There are some special talent here in Buffalo. Not only currently on this roster, there is a lot of super high-end talent. And there is a ton of talent that's fighting, scratching, and clawing to try and get into this lineup. And not all of them. There's not room for all of them. There has to be at some point, probably in the next couple years, the Sabres are going to have to make decisions on moving, you know, one of these players, two of these players out because they're just not going to fit in the lineup. There's just not enough. They're already the youngest team in the league. They don't need to continue to keep adding, you know, 18, 19 and 20 year old kids. All right. That'll do it for today. Thomas Vanek, uh, tomorrow's show. And also tomorrow, I want to tell you about my trip to Toronto on Friday and my okay. visit with, with Sean McMorrow, who I have not seen in years. And, uh, just awesome. That's all I'll say. Just awesome. I look forward to talking about it tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone.